I think early on in our journey and our commitment to EDI, so I'll go back, you know, three, four years, we were very focused on diversity, right? So very focused on X of these people, X of these people, X of these people. And that was a mistake. Welcome to the Inspire Podcast, where we examine what it takes to intentionally inspire. I'm your host, Bart Egnall, President and CEO of The Humphrey Group. And if you've ever asked yourself, how can you develop an authentic leadership presence? Or how can you tell stories that have people hanging off every word? Well, then this podcast is for you. And it's not just for executives. This is a podcast for anyone who wants to influence and inspire others in their work, but also in their life. So my guest on today's episode of the Inspire podcast is Jackie Scales. And Jackie, you're a very accomplished leader in equity, diversity, and inclusion. I think you have 15 years of experience. And I know uh, presently you're serving as Director of Inclusion and Diversity at Tech Resources. But we got to know each other back when you were leading EDI efforts at Deloitte. And uh, I know you've had other experiences. You've served as a co-chair Lieutenant Governor's Forum on First Nations. You've co-founded Leaders to be Proud of, a national awards program that recognizes gay and gay positive business leaders, among other things. So Jackie, really honored to have you on the Inspire podcast today. Welcome to the pod. Thanks, Bart. And thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited about our conversation today. I'm excited to talk to you because you are serving as a head of equity, diversity, inclusion in an industry, um, mining, that traditionally has, is it fair to say, not been a very diverse or equitable place, but that companies like tech are, are tackling it. So it'll be great to dig into to what you're doing. So maybe I'll just give you a blank canvas to kind of paint a picture. What kinds of challenges are facing tech when it comes to diversity, equity, inclusion, and perhaps more broadly, the um, the minerals industry in general? So in terms of gender diversity, there are many historical and cultural biases, which have, you know, gotten in the way of, of women seeking careers in the mining industry. And when we look at our numbers, you know, there's definitely work to be done. Mm-hmm. And at tech, we're doing a ton of work to help bring gender parity into the organization. And while if you look at the global mining workforce, about 10% are women. And we at Tech are proud because we've doubled that number. So we have 20% of our global employees identify as women. Hmm. And, um, you know, that's phenomenal if you look at, you know, 10% globally in the organization. In Canada... As of 2020, we had at Tech 20% of our employees self-identified as women, mm-hmm. you know, above the industry average. The latest data, Bart, that we have from an industry perspective is about 15% of the Canadian mining workforce mm-hmm. identify as women. Hmm. So, it's uh, still, you know, so it's still pretty, I mean, re- really a minority. Um, Absolutely. And what's the, you know, maybe two questions on that. What is the the legacy cause of that um, underrepresentation and what's the impact of it? Great question, Bert. So I think, you know, historically, if we think about how mining has been portrayed, right, mm-hmm. through social media and movies and, and just in general, right, being a, ve- a very 
labor intensive type of industry, you know, there's been some perceptions and some stereotypes that go with that. And so it has created barriers, you know, right from when women are thinking about what career they want to take and what education Mm -hmm. would support that as engineers and geoscientists and in trade. So all of those sort of, you know, male-centric stereotypes come into play. And I think there's a lack of understanding and awareness of just the depth and breadth of the industry. Hmm. So yes, you know, there's some, you know, heavy construction, large vehicles, all of those things. And there are a ton of other opportunities from a career perspective. And so that really hasn't been highlighted. And I think the industry is now waking up to, you know, we have to build awareness of opportunity mm-hmm. within industry. And, um, you know, I think that there's also cultural nuances, right? So for tech, we operate in Chile. Um, and, you know, we actually have a significant uptake on women identified uh, employees vis-a-vis the industry. So we hmm. have 18% and the industry is 8%. Wow. And so it's really because at Tech, we are building that awareness. We, um, you know, we have a culturally diverse employee base and we're very focused on creating an inclusive environment that works for everyone. Hmm. And I think the industry needs to sort of build up to that because there is that sort of stereotype you know, of the historical miners with mm-hmm. the, you know, hard hat with the light on it, underground, you know, that's rare nowadays. Hmm. It's, you know, open pit mining with technology and advanced analytics and you know, all of the functions that support organizations. Hmm. Yeah. And your point about inclusion, I think is so important. I mean, I think we, we got to know each other. We weren't necessarily working on the project, but I think, you know, through the the work I was privileged to lead at Gold Corp to build out Creating Choices a decade ago, you know, their women's leadership program. And I know you were at, at Deloitte at the time, so we we kind of talked about that. But some of the stories for women who were there, you know, so they would push the numbers up, but clearly the environment was not an inclusive one, you know, in terms of having them heard. Is that something that, and, and feel welcome and, you know, from a position of equity, is that a challenge that tech has, you know, been seeing and, and tackling as well? Yeah, you know, what I would say is, um, historically, our employees would have felt the same way, right, Hmm. as many industry employees. We have put a significant focus on building an inclusive workplace and an inclusive environment. So, you know, that goes to um, access to nursing rooms. For women, right, who happen to be on site, for example, and having a place where they can pump and, you know, store their when they're thinking, you know, if if that's something that they need to do. We've also ensured that there's access to restrooms. Hmm. Now, I know many people who may be listening to the pod, Bart, will be like, wow, um, it's a reality in some places, right, that like you don't don't think about those things. We've also Hmm. ensured that access to menstrual products in the environment for women across all of our sites so that that's not something that, you know, differentiates. It's, it's access to what you need through your daily activity. Right. So, and maybe that's a good segue to, you know, we've, we've kind of talked broadly about the sector and you've shared some great numbers. Like, it'd be great to get a story or two from you. Like, for, for women 
who have been in the mining industry, it could be tech, could be elsewhere. Like when you talk to them, what are some of the stories that, that say to you, hey, uh, we're starting to make some progress here? And I think stories are the way to go because stories are, are the reality, mm-hmm. right? There's there's a lived experience, our employees. And we have a number of them. And, and you know, International Women's Day was, was this week. And so we had an opportunity to connect with a number of our women within the organization. And, you know, one of the stories that really stuck out to me was we had an employee who had an idea around creating a more inclusive environment. The employee happened to identify as a female. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, they were like, and and this goes back to menstrual products. and, And they said, you know, having access globally, right, to menstrual mm-hmm. products within the environment just just makes it less it makes it easier mm-hmm. right we don't have to remember to pack things you know that sort of thing we have access to it and it normalizes the fact that as women um you know we right. we need these products right and so this individual raised it we listened heard her and you know said yeah we will fix that. Absolutely. Hmm. And so, it, it, you know, it's a story of someone having the courage, right, in a very male-centric environment mm-hmm. to bring something up that is very, you know, personal from a, from a feminine perspective and to say, look, this is something I need. Can we accommodate that? Right. And the beauty was they brought it up at one particular site and we said, you know what, we're just going to fix this across hmm. the board, hmm. you know, and, and create um, the equity in the access, right? Because it's about, it's not just about ex- equity, Bart, it's about access. And what is right? access? And how so, would you define that? Well, because it's access to things you need, hmm. right? So in the industry, we look at things and we say, you know, PPE, which is, you know, personal safety equipment. Um, you know, we have access to that for all of our employees. Mm-hmm. We have access to, you know, water and food and, and those types of things. Having said that, we also need to access the feminine product. Right. Right. It's a reality, a biological reality. Um, and so why should that be something that isn't considered? Right? Well, mm-hmm. what employees need. I love it. Yeah, that's a great story. And I like that, you know, it's something that um, someone came forward and said, hey, this is something I believe we need to create access to create a more equitable workplace. And that you took it and not only did it, but then expanded it you know, beyond that, that individual's, uh, workplace. So uh, I guess that's a good segue. You know, we've, we've talked about some of the challenges you're really, as you said, tech, you know, tackling this goal of creating a more inclusive, equitable workplace. So let, let's look a bit kind of on the big picture of what tech's doing. And then we could talk a bit about some of the, the stories, as you said, that the lived experiences. So like, how would you, how would you define like the end goal? Like if you get to an inclusive, equitable workplace, like how will you know that you're there? Mm, that is a fantastic question, Bart. So I think we will know we are there. So we'll start with the end in mind. Okay. So we will know we are there when we look at our inclusive engagement and we see a trend of positive scores year over year, hmm. right? And, and that is measuring. Um, so we, we do do uh, a, an inclusive engagement survey that measures our EDI metric as well as engagement. And I think when we get to a place where we're seeing year over year um, increase in that, mm-hmm. 
that's sort of, you know, we've met that, right? Okay. So our employees engaged, included, you know, that they are in an environment that, you know, helps them thrive. Okay. So it's really, so, there's know, not a, it's not a quantified uh, end result. It's more what people are telling you. It's almost like they'll, they'll know it when they're there. Is that right? Exactly. And so at tech, what we're doing to, to, to get there, right, mm-hmm. is we have senior executive equity, diversity, inclusion committee, which, you know, includes mm-hmm. our senior executives. We also have, I think it's phenomenal, we have nine in- equity, inclusion, and diversity committees that are led by employees hmm. across the organization. And what's, what is so inspiring about that part is that these are local groups, right, whether it be corporate or at site, you know, mm-hmm. who are coming together and saying, you know, how do we support the values that tech has around, you know, inclusive and respectful workplace? And what is it that we can do that's unique to our environment? And it's completely employee-led. Mm-hmm. They, you know, come up with the initiatives. They come up with suggestions, which we then, you know, as a, an executive diversity committee, look at them and say, oh, you know, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Either, you know, something that's local or we roll it out organizationally. And so I think, you know, just knowing that in the organization, we have such passion to continue to, you know, live our values as an organization mm-hmm. and specifically in the place of EDI, right? You know, as every organization, we're very busy. So the fact that people are volunteering their time, mm-hmm. have this many committees that look at all elements of equity, inclusion, and diversity really tells us that the organization vis-a-vis our employees are committed to this. Hmm. and see the support that they get from the executive diversity committee to be able to voice, Hmm. you know, their needs and the intentions and to have that support is really what we need to make sustainable change. Now, are there people who, and not through no kind of malicious intent, but who just are not bought in? And if so, what are some of the stories and objections that you're hearing, you personally or the organization, these committed executives as you go forward? Love to get the sense of the the pushback. Yeah, absolutely. And in everything we do, right, there's always uh, those that are are gung-ho and those that have patience, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you think about it, um, and, and not unusual to practitioners in the space of equity, diversity, and inclusion, we at tech have, you know, as I said, at the top of the pod here, we have an 80-20 split, mm-hmm. right? 80%, 20% women. And so early on in our journey, there was a little bit of friction around, you know, why are we trying to change when the dominant side of the organization, mm-hmm. right, is completely happy with status quo. Hmm. And so, you know, what we've had success in is building awareness of status quo, you know, it's great, and it uh, isn't as, as great as it can be. And why and not? So what, why is, what could be better? Well, it's around building that inclusive environment where people feel valued hmm. and feel um, engaged and respected. And so it really became, you know, a focus on building the awareness 
and recognizing the unconscious bias, hmm. right? You bring people together, Bart, and you say, hey, look, you know, this is your reality and this is the other person's reality and here's the difference, hmm. right? And what we found great success in is the entire employee population saying, wow, right? I didn't realize that we had these biases you know, or we had these stereotypes in play and it never occurred to me that, you know, using this type of language or, you know, having this type of process may be excluding right. uh, a, a population. And so we've spent a lot of time over the last two years really helping people appreciate what an inclusive workplace hmm. looks like. You did a whole survey around the state of like to build this awareness, to build this understanding. You did a survey of the state of equity in tech. I'd love to, I'd love if you could share with me and with people listening, like what were some of the the key findings from that, that uh, were important to share with the organization? Yeah, absolutely. So we ran our first inclusive and engagement survey, Q3 of 2020 for us. Now, Having said that, we were in a very interesting space of COVID. Right, right. <laughs> um, and, you know, so, so let's normalize for that. Having said that, what the survey told us is, yes, we have such commitment to our values. Mm-hmm. And we have a commitment to safety, right? Ensuring in the industry we are. That's one of our values, mm-hmm. obviously. Psychological safety was something that we needed to explore more. And that came out of that. And what I mean by psychological safety, Bart, is that, you know, do, does everyone feel in their mind, based on who they are, right, mm-hmm. that, that it is a safe environment to authentically be themselves? Hmm. And I know we throw that around authentically. It is that, you know, it's okay for me to be who I am hmm. and not feel any type of insecurity. And, and did you have any comments on when people, obviously people provide numerical feedback on that, but were there any anecdotal comments on where people might not have been feeling that safety? Yeah. So we, we um, had a strong response on what I call our verbatim responses. So we had some open-ended questions mm-hmm. uh, in the survey and, and stories we were told were, you know, specific language that's consistently used may see people feel that, you know, maybe they're not included or welcome in the meeting, in the discussion, in the conversation. We also heard, you know, yeah, we have some work to do around um, ensuring that we have equity, right? When we think about opportunity and we think about, um, you know, who's assigned to certain special projects, for example, Mm -hmm. or, you know, how people are moving through the organization. And so that really gave us, you know, an opportunity to look at a number of our policies and processes and say, you know, are there any systemic biases that we're not aware of that are historical in nature? And, you know, we we have grown as an organization over the century. Um, And so it, it really gave us some data points to say, you know what, we need to go back and look at this procedure or this process to make sure that we aren't you know, inadvertently continuing to prop up biases or stereotypes. Hmm. Um, And it was just like, you know, a wealth of information, Bart, when we were able to look at the comments vis-a-vis different demographics, right? Uh, Women, visible Hmm. minorities, persons with disability, LGBTQ2S+, 
And what we found was in all of that, that there is an opportunity for us to think about the language, to think about the process, to think about how we communicate mm-hmm. to ensure we are creating that inclusive environment. Hmm. Are, are we at the point, you know, here we are, um, you know, talking about breaking the bias is the theme of you know, International Women's Day this week. Have we moved, did you find in the survey, have we moved past conscious bias to unconscious or are you still are we still dealing with the culture of overt sexism, exclusion, um, you know that that kind of overt bias? What did you find? So if I think about industry, so let's step outside of the survey for a mm-hmm. second part. I see why you know we're not there, hmm. right? Like there's still conscious bias that exists. What I will say is at tech, we have moved past that. Hmm. So we have moved into into the conversation of unconscious bias, right? And recognition that, you know, if you think about cognitively, where, you know, people are, some of the things just are an expression of an individual's worldview or an Hmm. individual's experience. Mm -hmm. And so what has really happened since the survey, which we did in 2020, and we're getting ready to do the next one um, shortly, is that creating the awareness, right, in a positive way that, you know, this is how language or experience or action affects people who may be different from you. Hmm. And in that, we've had this like fantastic aha moment as an organization and, you know, a a thirst for training and a thirst for education on how can I change behavior so that I become an inclusive leader? Hmm. Because, you know, fundamentally, I believe everyone is a leader, Mm -hmm. right? We share that view, yes. (laughs) That's right. Right? And if only there was a company, Jackie, that had developed a program to teach inclusive leadership through communication. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, I, I totally, I, all kidding aside, I think, you know, we're, we're, we think as you do, which is, you know, we are at this place where there's kind of the macro organizational priorities, you know, to set the tone, to conduct surveys, to kind of harness the organization. But people fundamentally are individually hungry for how can I implement and lead change in this area? So, yeah, I'd love to hear a bit about as you as you harness and capitalize on this willingness and eagerness to get involved. What are you helping people to do in your action plan to um, to kind of break through uh, these barriers? I really appreciate the question because, Bart, I think that, you know, action speaks louder than anything else, right? Mm-hmm. We have a ton of data, you know, we have like industry-wide and, you know, when we look at EDI as a practitioner, for example, so equity, diversity, and inclusion, there's a lot of stuff out there. I think the differentiator for tech is the really tangible action items that we have created as an organization that works for each area, right? So some may be different for site versus a corporate function, you know, regional differences between North and South America, for example, and really saying what we need to do is look at what are some of the, you know, there's short term and there's long term in any Mm -hmm. strategy Mm -hmm. that's built. But what are some of those things? And 
we successfully saying, hey, you know, to all of the business units and leaders, what is it you want to do in reaction to this data? And we had over 130 specific actions wow. about the organization, which is phenomenal considering yeah. everything else that's happening. So highlight a couple for me. Like what would be the, the three most um, relevant ones that, that, you, that come to mind? So, so the three, I think, were flex work, right? Supporting flexibility in how work gets done, okay. right? The needs of everyone. The second, I would say, is enhancing EDI, so equity, diversity, and inclusion, through the entire talent life cycle. So from and what does that mean? Yeah, so it's like where we find people, hmm. right? So where we go to recruit people, to how we onboard people, how we you know, talk about our values as an organization, how we um, set people up for success as they're joining the organization through to performance and development, hmm. you know, and really to the end exit interviews, right? Hmm. Some people will leave the organization for, for reasons mm-hmm. that support them in their career development. And so how do we create an inclusive environment around that? And so we, we have some very specific things, you know, supporting that. And then the final one I would say, Bart, is around tra- training and education. Okay. And it's not, you know, the typical training and education. I'm going to talk to you about, you know, how to be a good leader. It is talking about very specific things that make a difference to people. Hmm. So it's language. It's, you know, recognizing unconscious bias. It's recognizing that we all come from a different perspective, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and so we have to be aware of that and supportive of people's experience. And so that has been quite successful, um, mm-hmm. you know, we started doing that in 2020. And we've had some really good conversations with employees who are sharing their experience, who are saying, you know, I either felt fantastic about this or I didn't. And here's why. And being able to share the stories of our employees have really made a difference in strengthening our commitment to our values. Now, one thing I know you mentioned, you're, you know, you're a global mining company, so you not only operate in, in kind of multiple jurisdictions with different cultures, different cultural norms, but even the difference between you know, I mean, I've been to mine sites. They're very different than corporate offices. So you have these radically different environments. How do you uh, balance those different environments while still pursuing kind of a global strategy of promoting inclusion and equity? Mm, very good question. I think the first thing, Bart, is to recognize there is a difference. Hmm. So they're and not so- trying kind of force say right. the mine to adopt the same practices as head office in Vancouver. Correct. Right. There is. So recognize that. So, you know, sort of the approach that we have made or we have taken on is, you know, first recognize the individuality of the different environments. you know, create guiding principles that align to our values, mm-hmm. right? So you have that alignment. And then you say, okay, you know, we had some great conversation with each of the different areas to say, so what does this mean to you? 
right? What does this hmm. look like in what I like to call everyday acts of inclusion? Hmm. So what are the things that you can do within your environment? And what are the things we need to focus on? Recognizing the individuality and the nuances of different environments. Because, hmm. you know, as, as, as corporate versus site is very different, right? Mm-hmm. But individual sites have their own culture, hmm. which is very different. You know, bring in regional differences between, right. you know, Canada and the U.S. and Chile and Peru. Like, it's very different. So empower people, right? Like, raising the voice that is unique to each environment mm-hmm. has created, you know, a sense of empowerment, recognition, hmm. and visibility for people. So maybe we, we could talk specifically about one, like, let's pick a mine, whether you know, Chile, Peru, you know, where it's, and just tell me about the mine. Tell me about what it's like to work there. And then how they have begun embedding EDI into their, their environment. We have put together a purposeful plan right from recruitment, Bart. So we're saying, you know, let's look at um, non-traditional spaces to hire people who may not fit the sort of industry stereotype profile of a miner, for example. And what's the um, mine? And tell me, let's just, for those who might not know the mine or have been to the mine, what's the mine called? We are building the mine right now. So it's Puerto Blanca. So it's our, sure. our QB project. It is a mine that is at altitude. So mm-hmm. it's a camp. Okay. Right? So you have so to, do you have to fly in or up. drive in and stay there? Yeah. It's, it's a drive in. You spend a period of time at altitude. So it's almost like a city, hmm. right? Like a, a, a sub community. And so what we've done is said, you know, we want to make sure that we have a culture that supports EDI, so equity, diversity, and inclusion. Hmm. So we have been very purposeful in how we recruit who we recruit, where we recruit from, Mm -hmm. um, and have been very purposeful as we're building out the project to ensure that we are living our values as an organization. Um, You know, safety being one of them, and then an additional value being, you know, building a respectful and inclusive workplace. And so we have, through our, you know, talent acquisition, and through who we bring into the organization, have spent time talking about what that means, hmm. right? What does it mean to be inclusive? What does the workplace look like from an inclusive perspective? And we have, you know, a component of our onboarding, which is, you know, how you bring someone into the organization. We spend a significant period of time talking about what an inclusive environment from a workplace looks like. And what do people say, you know, coming in this very different world, you know, at the top of a mountain in a country on the, the other hemisphere, different cultural norms? Like, what kinds of things did you hear when you asked them? Yeah, we heard things like, you know, historically, you know, you would hear pushback, you know, do women belong mm-hmm. in this environment? And it's an absolute yes. And here's why we focus on capability, not gender, right? Capability, not gender. Um, and so, you know, we've spent a lot of time talking about 
the focus needs to be on the technical skill or the capability or, you know, that sort of thing mm-hmm. and not on gender. And it's really helping people start realize that gender has nothing to do with the role. Mm-hmm. Uh, that sort of thing. Sure. Right. Flip mm-hmm. it and say, sure, on a diversity of thought on diversity of innovation, all those things come into play because, right, we know mm-hmm. that people's unique experiences bring that wealth of information. Right. Um, yeah. But, you know, what we talked about um, when we thought about our recruiting strategy and our onboarding strategies, how do we help people recognize, um, you know, that gender and differences are actually the gold that makes up a team Hmm. and brings diversity of thought, brings innovation, brings, you know, different problem solving and discourse around different issues that we may not have experienced before. Hmm. So we spent a lot of time with leadership talking about that, with the recruiting team talking about that, you know, and hence, as I said at the beginning of the segment, you know, we have such a strong diversity element in our Chilean project. Yeah, that's that's a great example of, you know, just the work that has to go in, you know, to to unearth the the assumption, you know, the bias, and then to help work through it and to reframe it. So I I can see it's um it's it's a journey, (laughs) you know, one that demands a lot of a lot of energy, but with with incredible uh, positive outcomes. As maybe the last thing I'll ask you, I mean, obviously we could talk about your your journey and these examples forever, but that that's a great example of a success. Can you also give me an example where you haven't had as much success in, in tackling a bias and um, how, how that helps you inform your approach going forward? Yeah, great question. And I think, you know, we learn as much from um, the bumps in the road mm-hmm. that we do totally. from, the, you know, the clear path. And, and so I would say, you know, I think early on in our journey and our commitment to EDI, so I'll go back, you know, three, four years, we were very focused on diversity, right? So very mm-hmm. focused on X of these people, X of these people, X of these people. And that was a mistake. Um, because what happened is you, you sort of, you focus on the differences mm-hmm. rather than focusing on how we show the commonality that everyone has, right? Mm-hmm. We are unique individuals as human beings. Mm-hmm. We always will be, regardless mm-hmm. of, right. you know, and so our focus was more on the differences and then being, you know, like we need this of, you know, many of this and we need to do this and, and, and trying to look at everything from a diversity perspective. Hmm. And, you know, that doesn't work. Right. And we saw it didn't work. We weren't able to attract the same level of people. You know, we, we really struggled in, you know, what it was we were trying to articulate both to our staff, right. And Mm -hmm. prospective employees. And it was when we looked at it and said, you know what, it's about building an inclusive environment and not focusing on the individuality or the diversity of people that we will create an environment where people want to work, where people Hmm. thrive, right? And so 
you know, that was our mistake. Our mistake was focusing on the diverse elements. And when we recognized that, you know, we saw great success, right? So we right. are leading in the industry from a gender perspective. You know, we have very open conversations around what it means to be inclusive and, and diversity of thought and unconscious bias. So, you know, that's an example where, yeah, we had a misstep, hmm. right? And, and we've seen right. huge discussions since saying, let's not, let's celebrate the diversity mm-hmm. and focus on an inclusive, respectful workplace, which mm. is why, you know, in our refresh of values last, towards the end of last year, one of our values is a respectful and inclusive workplace. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a great story because, you know, you look at the the focus on the end outcome of more diverse, a more diverse workforce paradoxically ends up not getting you there. <laughs> you know, it's really the because people then say, well, you're just you're just hiring me for the color of my skin or my gender uh, and or you're pressuring me to hire people for those reasons rather than let's create an environment where when people come in, they are included, which then actually leads to more diversity because people feel like they want that they'll be heard. So yeah, it's it's a great example of how even even well-intentioned strategies don't always have the direct outcome that you want and kind of cause a, a rethink. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So Jackie, this this has been very helpful. I mean, I think, you know, what I'm coming away with is uh, first of all, a sense that even in a company as global as tech, you know, you've talked about some of the jurisdictions that you operate in and with, with such a diverse set of operations from, you know, the corporate offices right into these mines at altitude where people are you know, driving in and living in a mini city, it is still possible to have kind of a global approach to building a more equitable, inclusive workplace. But that that really has to be complemented by not moving at the same speed or way or approach in all these locations that you really have to empower people on the ground, wherever they are, to take ownership. Is, is that a fair assessment of what, what you've learned so far? Yeah, I, I, you know what, Bart, I couldn't have said it better myself. It is, you know, and sort of the irony is, right, it's recognizing the end goal and enabling and empowering people to get there via a journey that works for them. Yeah, bring them bring them on the journey. I think it's great advice for any leaders listening. I think people come in and they say, oh, you know, I want to fix it. I want to create a more, like, especially this week, you know, we're recording this in the week of International Women's Day. You say, you know, we've got to make change. It's been so long, you know, the, the pay gap, the wage you know, gap with women. But of course, all equity-seeking groups face these gaps. But you can't just kind of impose change. You really have to empower and engage people in it. Absolutely. And, you know, I I am, as you mentioned, right, was historically with Deloitte leading the uh, EDI practice Mm -hmm. across South America. And since joining tech, you know, I I, I can tell you that, you know, there is commitment um, from leadership. And I know we all hear this and we read about it. And I can't... um, Stress the importance hmm. of, you know, the commitment at leadership to say, you know, what we're learning, we recognize, you know, we hear you and let's do this together. And so our commitment as an organization, I think, is going to change the industry. Hmm. I, I firmly believe that, which is, you know, so empowering. It's a worthy goal. 
myself and everyone else. Well, it sounds like you already have. So um, congratulations on what you've already achieved and but also on your commitment to the journey, which I know will perhaps continue until you get exactly what uh, until you get that feedback in your surveys that people say you've reached the reached the destination. But I imagine that then it will just, you know, the the goals will evolve from there. So a good journey to be on. Absolutely. Thanks for your, for sharing your time with me. Is there anything for people listening who might want to learn more about what tech is doing or anything out outside of tech specifically that you think is worthwhile to, to look into that you recommend people reading or visiting? So, you know, we have been named to Bloomberg Gender Equity Index four years in a row. Um, you know, we have a very strong uh, on DJSI for the last 12 years. We're sort of industry leaders in mining metals. So have a look mm-hmm. there. You know, I would have a look at our sustainability report. It talks about where we are from an EDI perspective. And, and uh, it also highlights our human rights policies, our equity and diversity and inclusion policy. And, um, you know, reach out if anyone wants yeah, we'll to put, connect. Well, I know you're on LinkedIn. You're, you're, you're able to connect with, so we can put some of the links there in the uh, in the show notes fantastic great well thanks so much for the time it's uh it's great to have this conversation absolutely i appreciate it i hope you enjoyed my conversation today with jackie scales uh, an important one considering it's pride month as organizations like tech push for equity push for inclusion the challenges and opportunities that they face working globally with different regions, different perspectives, different cultures. And I think it's a good reminder to all of us, the patience, the effort, and and really the listening that's required as we uh, pursue this journey. Next time on the podcast, I welcome Larissa Maxwell. Larissa is a leader in the field of ESG, Environmental Sustainability and Governance, and is hired by companies who want to embed ESG into their practices. And this is a hot topic now. And so for anyone who wants to lead and lead in a way that's become increasingly critical, I encourage you to tune in to the podcast. See you next time.